Hey, you want to hear inspirational music and talk? Download the CJC radio app right now in the app store. What are you waiting for? Download it now. to the Carl Jackson Podcast, available on Spotify. I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. It's a mischaracterization of my position across the board. I did not praise racists. Do you agree today? Do you agree today? that you were wrong to oppose busing in America then. No, Do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I opposed. Well, I there did was not a failure of, of states to, to integrate no, public schools in America. I was part of the, the second class to integrate Berkeley, the, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local decision. So that's where the federal government must step now, in. That's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that's there right. are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of all people. The missed opportunity for Biden was that he had a chance to model for America how to say, I'm sorry, let's fix this. Because she said, I was hurt personally. Mm -hmm. That was his moment to show America how you do come together, to show America how you bridge that. Because he said, I'm the bridge. Well, then do that. And that didn't happen. It offends me that... We, I apologize, followed by, this isn't a race issue. That's a lie. You're lying to the public, and you're lying to yourself. Okay? Thank you. Racism is not a theory. It is quantifiable. Look at our prisons. Look at our jails. Look at the disproportionate minority contact. So... You want my suggestion? Stop lying. Tell the truth. Say we have a problem. Say we have systemic racism. We need to address it. Apologize for doing what you're doing wrong. Any institution that enhances a black man has to be done through white hands. And I don't really approve of that. You know, I hear people say, you, in order for me to be successful, my agent has to be Jewish. I have a black agent, nothing against a Jewish agent, nothing at all. It's just the cards didn't fall for me that way. Or any movie that you make, you have to be approved. The same thing when you go to jail. There's no court system owned by black people. There's no uh, police that's owned by black people. Any decision that is supposed to be made to enhance your life is in the hands of white people. I just feel like there's a way to get around that and be successful at it. 
So those two clips that I just played are clips from um, some some news bits that I heard this week. Uh, one is from uh, a situation that had happened in Arizona, and it was a ta- town hall meeting, and this white lady basically got up and had the courage to to <laughs> give her opinion. And then the second clip that I just you just heard is from a comedian by the name of. Uh, uh, I forget his name, actually. Um, I think his name is Capone. He goes by Capone, but I don't know his real name. And he he, he gave a really interesting uh, thought to why uh, we feel the way we feel as African-American males. One of the things I, I like to do with this podcast is get people to think, um, to elevate their consciousness on a level where they are at currently so that we can elevate the earth. If we don't come together and have communication and topics that, that stretches us and make us spiritually connect to each other, then we're never going to get to the next level. And so today my guests are two people that I don't always agree with, but they're servicemen and they're great guys. Um, And I thought it would be a great uh, debate today if we could have two different people who are both servicemen um, who kind of see life differently and see things differently uh, have a conversation I don't even want to call it debate even though this this uh, this show is called the American debate but it's really a conversation <laughs> between between three people uh, and I wanted to get you guys to to listen, so I called it the American debate, and I got you guys listening. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to introduce Mr. Melvin X. Graham. Uh, he's a filmmaker, activist, and he's also a journalist. And then I have my second guest, Shad Marshall, who is a veteran, and he likes to think of himself as a truth seeker, looking to help those who truly want to help themselves. So welcome, hey, I guess. How you guys doing? Doing awesome. Very cool. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, some tough subjects, and I wanted to um, kind of get your perspective first of all before we get into these conversations. For one, uh, Mr. Shad, Mr. Marshall, what is your take on just our current? Uh, administration and your thoughts and and give us a little bit of your background too so that people know exactly who sure. you are sure no absolutely I, I appreciate it um my name is chad marshall uh i am the mortgage slayer uh i uh, reside over in the dfw area just north of dallas about 40 miles um i'm i'm a texan been in texas all my life other than three years uh, that was with the 82nd airborne division out of fort bragg and um you know, I mean, that's that's really it. I, I look at, you know, the reason that I'm, I'm here, because um, I do believe this is a, a temporary life. Uh, what I'm living is, is really to, to influence as many people as I can positively, um, you know, and, and that's, oh, it's taken me, oh, 40 years, you know, to, to finally, you know, figure that part out. And uh, I'm not perfect by any means, but uh, I do strive for perfection. Mr. Graham. Yes, sir. Well, my name is Melvin X. Graham. And as Carl said, as I'm a filmmaker, journalist, and also I'm an advocate for ADOS, which stands for American Descendants of Slavery. 
And and we, one of the things we're doing in terms of the advocacy group, we're fighting for reparations, which we are owed from the United States government. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it as far as what I do and what I'm about. I'm looking forward to a great discussion. You are in Los Angeles. You are from San Diego, though, right? No, I'm from Washington, D.C., by way of San Diego, and I do live in uh, Los Angeles right now, currently. Okay, yeah, because I met you in San Diego. Okay, gotcha. Yes, so let's talk, let's get right into it. Reparations. Um, there's two sides to this. It's in the news. It's all over the press. And it's not just a talking point for for us. It's a real thing that um, has been in discussion, at least from my perspective, for years. But it seems like it's becoming a real thing that could perhaps be um, ha- actually happen. But I want to get your take on it, Melvin, and then uh, Chad. I want to hear hear your take on reparations. Let's let's talk about it. Sure. Okay. Okay. So I guess I get the ball to my court first. Um, well, well, when it comes to reparations, we have to understand, you know, the history behind it. Now we're talking about uh, something that has, t- uh, sorry, a catastrophic event that has taken place since the very inception of the United States of America. And I mean, this is something that people have to endure and suffer with. And I'm talking about the strongholds of white supremacy. I'm talking about um, a system that's been so dominant and oppressing over people to where we're not even a functioning people within a system that's afforded so much wealth to others. And... When we're talking about black people, we have to be specific because this use the term black, you know, we get someone from Jamaica can say they're black. Someone from, you know, the the African can say they're black. We're not talking about them. We're talking about foundational black Americans who have been here. Their bloodline has been on this land since the very inception of the United States, if you call it government today. And why do we deserve reparations? It's real simple. That's because you're looking at the people who have not have not enjoyed the fruits of their labor. And their labor has created a world conglomerate that everyone benefits from but us. We're talking about a, a people who, shall I say, continue to be treated like the redhead stepchild of the family. And, I, and then when I say family, I'm talking about the country as a whole. We're talking about a people who is at the very bottom of the totem pole when it comes to wealth. We're talking about a people who, when it comes to wealth, we're, we're, we're approaching uh, 2025 where some of the greatest, some of the best um, analysts or, should I say, experts when it, when it comes to economics have black people at negative, I'm sorry, not in the negative, at zero percent. When it comes to the uh, when it comes to wealth, well, wealth gains and, and other things as well, and we're at the bottom. And the question is, as America c- c- continues to move forward as a country and as a and as a government, when will they address the one thing that has that the the world is its greatest sin? When will they address it, and when will they take care of such a thing? We're seeing America dish out reparations to the Japanese what they had in concentration camps. We've seen America uh, help, should I say, uh, what is it, uh, 
those who are Holocaust survivors, which which they receive reparations from the United States, because and when their conflict or their issue happened, you know, in Germany, it was not the United States' position to to you know to owe Holocaust survivors reparations, but they did it anyway. Black people, foundational Black Americans, we're saying, where's our money? And we're saying, where's our benefit and resources that we're owed from building America for free? Chad? Yeah. No, that's uh, a fantastic observation, you know. Um, I think the first thing, too, is, you know, where where is this perspective coming from? Um, you know, is are we looking at it from a worldly perspective or are we looking from a biblical perspective? Uh, biblically, you know, reparations or restitution, it is biblical. Um, you know, in Exodus and Leviticus, it talks, you know, about it. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar by any means. I try to do a little bit of research, and that's why I really like this, because I've never, you know, really thought about it. Um, now, the thing where we start to kind of come into, um, you know, not really, it refers basically to anyone who was a slave. And and that's, that's kind of, and then, you know, I know Melvin had made some, um, you know, references to other times this happened. It wasn't, from what I understand, it wasn't necessarily the descendants. It was the people who were personally uh, harmed from the injustices that, uh, and, and believe me, they are injustices. True sin, true crime, you know, true injustice. Um, you know, I'll never be one to say that racism doesn't exist today because it does. Um, and I know we can, we'll get more into that later. But, um, you know, so so there's that part that it is from a biblical standpoint. But does it is it really relevant in today's society? Um, be, being a Christian, being a man of God, um, you know, Jesus Christ died for my sins. It's through his blood. Um, you know, it's not a debt that I could pay um, because of what he's done for me. Um, you know, so there, there's that aspect of it, too. Um, I think one of the biggest questions, though, I ask is why now? And, and you know, can you all help kind of fill that in is. Why now is this a big deal? Um, I mean, Barack Obama was our president for eight years. Why wasn't it? Was it an issue then? Why wouldn't it brought up then? Melvin. Okay, let's, let's deal with two things. First of all, the mass atrocities that happened. Well, actually, there were three things. I start with that one. The mass atrocities that happened during the Holocaust. The uh, descendants of the Holocaust survivors are still receiving. Billions of dollars in reparations today from the United States government. So I answer that one. That's number one. Two, mentioning Barack Obama has nothing to do with reparations or even our plight in America. Barack Obama's father was uh, from Kenya. His mom was a white Irish woman. So first of all, so first of all, Barack Hussein Obama is not a foundational Black American, and we and for when and though he's labeled the title of the first Black president which is true when it comes to skin tone, but he's sure as hell not the first black president when it comes to bloodline. So we can dismiss that one right there. Um, second of all, third, I mean, third of all, why is why now? Well, it's always been. It's just that the United States government has not felt, you know, the pressure to have to address sex sins for the atrocities that they've done. And we're going to go from the Tuskegee experiment, I'm sorry, Tuskegee experiment, which they were, which they gave black people, uh, foundational black people, that is um, syphilis. We can go to the crack cocaine era in the 80s, 
We can go back to Jim Crow. We can go back to the greatest crime in history after the Civil War when the Union um, had, had under under Abraham Lincoln, his vice pre- president, Andrew um, Johnson, when he gave, essentially after um, Lincoln's assassination, he gave basic, basically the Confederacy back all the land that was promised to black people for fighting the war. So we can go from any timeline you want to go, and we can still say that when is America going to address this original sin? And it still has not happened. And for us to ask today is even more so because look at the results of what America has done to black people since, foundational black people since its inception. So so at every point we've been asking for reparations, it's just now that the pressure uh, has, has gotten steeper. Chad? You, you don't think this has anything to do with pandering? You don't think this has anything to do with the Democratic Party not necessarily having a pro-American platform? And this is no. just to get Donald okay. Trump this Donald Trump is, you know, because obviously there, there's those overtones before, you know, in the last two, three years. Because, I mean, you look back, Woodrow Wilson, you know, FDR, Truman, JFK, Lyndon Johnson, none of this ever came up. And I think that's, I feel like it's just another thing. Because you talked about, you know, um, uh, Jim Crow and the, I mean, which, which party did that all develop under? The Democratic so, Party. Right. And so that's what I'm, that's why I'm wondering, is it all of a sudden now this is a big deal? Because, I mean, I don't know how much of the, you know, the debate you watched last night, but it's like, <laughs> well, again, what, you I, know what I mean? Like what, what, I, what I was the, the reason for this? I, what, what, why wasn't this, why wasn't this dealt with before? Cause this has been, it's been a long time. I mean, you mentioned how many different, you know, historical events, how many years, you know, that type of thing. Well, well, here's the problem. You know, from a historical lens, white people in America has always dismissed discussions on race and felt uncomfortable because of the uh, because of their guilt for the for the original sin in which this country was formed. So this is part of the reason why this may seem new, which is really not. If we can easily go back to W. E. B. Du Bois, uh, the boys, we can all always go back to Frederick Douglass. We can always go back to the Nation of Islam under the teachings of the Most Humble Elijah Muhammad. We can also go back to uh, organizations like in Cobra. We can talk about people like Dr. Claude Anderson. We can talk about even right now with the ADOS movement, which its inception happened in like 2011. So, I mean, it's always been a topic uh, for discussion that white people have not been uh, very open and willing to come to the table to discuss it. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. This is the reality. Now, to make this a political thing between, you know, red and blue, Democrat versus Republican, has nothing to do with that because both hands have blood on it. Mm. And I'm talking about the Republican Party and I'm talking about the Democratic Party. Let's, for one, let's stop playing this game about, uh, you know, conservative versus liberal. Let's understand something. Both liberal and uh, the liberal and conservatives had slaves. Right, right. Both of them, and, and, not, both have, and not just white people. <laughs> uh, yes, you go, we go to Native Americans. We can, I'm sorry, so-called so-called Indians, Native Americans. They had slaves themselves. In fact, there were trade-offs. If you go back to the Dawes Row, and when you look at the Dawes Row, Indians were were letting uh, white folks into their tribes for um, what is it for twenty five cents. Sure. Well, yeah, 
Well, you have black, black slave, you know, black, black slave owners as well. So I, I yeah, think that's in some in some cases, but that's not that's so that's so few and far in between. Because understand something: well, even for a black person to have slaves under the system of white supremacy under the government of the United States of America, he's still not seen as a human being. Well, I think the other thing too, and I mean, obviously, you've got a you know extensive you know background, education, you know history, and all this. But you talk about their their white guilt. I, I don't feel guilty. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I don't feel guilty by any. I, I don't judge a person by their color. I judge a person by who they are, who their heart is, how they treat people. You know, and I think you don't that's find that to be a big problematic. You don't find that a big problematic that your bloodline, and I don't know exactly where. Well, you're now, from. now making assumptions, man. You can't just say your but. You, you, let, let's let's keep it. To that's that. why I said. You know? That's why I said. I know your okay. bloodline. I don't know okay. where. That's why. I, that's why I'm, I'm backing that. I'm qualifying what I'm saying by okay. saying that. I don't know your background. I don't know your bloodline, sure. but I'm quite sure. But see, they, you know that don't even matter because yes, at, the, at, the yes, day, at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, and I tell you what, you can have it. You can have the floor is all yours. I know I talk a lot, but it don't even matter because you have the the complexion for the protection. Oh, <laughs> here we go. The thing, because the thing, the gloves are off. The gloves are off. All right. Woo! who owned slaves back in, say, whatever, 1860s. What was, what was I, the I, 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 don't, I, I don't know the, I don't know what you call the factual data on that, but if you asking me in, for, in terms of my opinion, for my opinion, I'll say easily 90%. Let, less than 9%. About less than 9%. Not, but let, I, I disagree with that. Zero oh, nine. boy. Zero nine. Well, hey, and, and you know what, Carl? This would be cool. Do you want to take notes? And we can go back and fact check this stuff. Yeah, well. Yeah, we can look at This is yeah, good, let's, a great let's, idea. Let, let's do that. Because I'm not saying I know everything. And that's what I love about this is this, right. you know, this gets us to ultimately look, not just go off of feelings. You know, because there's, there's a lot of that stuff going on right now. Feelings over facts, man. You know, so so. I well, one thing, one thing. Yeah, let me, if ahead. I can interject, one thing that I think sure. we're we're all missing, not all missing, but we're missing, and that is, we I think we're forgetting the fact that in that, in the time period that we're all discussing and that you guys are discussing, black man was not considered a man, and exactly. so when when you, you have to, you really have to add that equation into this discussion because yeah it might have been only nine percent that might be true that actually might be a factual statement i have to look it up but even if that's true it doesn't matter because a black male was considered a property he wasn't even considered a man as a matter of fact when the constitution was written it says all men are created equal they were not talking about black men they were not talking about black men yeah, exactly. That we were referring to. Yeah, and, and that had a lot to do with the voting it, because you had such a, you had a lot more black slaves in the South, from what I understand. So you couldn't, 
it, there was something to do with that. I now, you know, that's another thing we probably could do some more. Or do you know, Melvin? Yeah, because I mean, because now you're talking about the three force rule, and you got a whole lot of rules too. You got like the one drop rule. You have a lot of things. We can go back to the Dred Scott case. It's a lot of things we can look at in in that regard. But one thing that Carl said that that sort of you know puts it all puts it all in one basket in terms of black people and how we're viewed. Not only were we not seen as human, we're just property. Property. And that right there is known. And that, and that, like I said before, if America can, can feel so kind and open-hearted to, to give reparations for the mass atrocities of the Holocaust in Germany, which they deserve something for that, my God, I mean, you're talking about over 400 years of oppression. You're talking about, you're talking about some of the worst conditions that any human can has ever gone through in the history of this planet, as we know it to be. And Germany, and Germany, and Germany actually, Germany actually gave an apology, and they, yeah. they not, and they not playing. They said, "Look, we we gonna make sure this never happens happens again." So you know, it's I think it's one thing for reparations to happen, but it's another thing when you act like it doesn't even exist or or. It's not such a big issue, you know, why are we bringing it up now? Which brings me to the point that um, I wanted to make. You mentioned that there, uh, that you don't have white guilt. And a lot of white people have said that to me. It's not just you, Shad. A lot of white people have said this to I've me. Heard. I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard this over yeah. and over the last, really the last three years. And I, I wanted to ask you, Shad, and I want you guys to kind of talk about that. Why is it that a Christian white male doesn't feel guilt from the sins of the father because here's the thing we're we are in america and i and i mean this in america i i i remember knowing about the holocaust more than i knew about my own ancestors and what they went through when i went to elementary school I, and I, I knew more right. about the holocaust i knew more about the indians i knew more about every other race of people than I did about my own people. I found out about my own people as I decided as a teenager and as an adult to start studying. My cousin um, was was the first person to really start getting me to understand about African-American history. And so, um, and this was really, um, so it brings me to my point when you say you feel no guilt. I want to know why that you don't feel the guilt, not to make you feel guilty, but I just want to know the concept as to why you feel that way as a Christian who believes in forgiveness and love and, you know, turning the other cheek and we're supposed to give to one another and be compassionate. How do you say I feel no guilt for what this country that says it stands for God treated African-Americans? It's just my question. Right. Yeah, well, in Ezekiel 18, I mean, it talks about, you know, I, I, I am not responsible for the sins of my father. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and that's... Well, we're not saying, we're like not part. saying, we're not saying you. I'm saying the country it itself stands for in God well, we trust. So, and, sure, you know, you, know you, you can't... My, my, these days, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if we're necessarily a godly country anymore. And I think that has a lot to do with a lot of problems okay. we have right now. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, but not feeling, man, because I know my heart. And I mean that that's really the biggest thing, and I know how I treat people, and I know you know what's inside. So, um, 
I can say yes, there are there were sins, there were things that happened. But here, here's my my thing too is this is 2019. You okay, know, so okay, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. So if okay. it's 2019, mm-hmm. and you see the mass killings of African American males right now in our country from the black and blue, black and blue, I see a, the I fight see more that's happening. I see more killings black on black than anything, man. Okay, so black so, on so, black crime is a list as well. Because you're talking about proximity crimes, we can say uh, white on white crimes happening in yeah, Southern Florida, yeah. Alabama. I mean, and y'all have a larger population than black people. So to say black on black crime is a farce. That, that's not even real. It's not a farce. It's not a farce. I mean, there's there's facts on that. You know, it's facts that black people kill black people. It's facts that that uh, white people kill white people, and and, and higher numbers because they're the largest population on, uh, in in America. So what is that even supposed to right. mean? <laughs> well, well, I don't I don't think there's more. I actually think there's more whites who probably get killed by by cops than blacks. Mostly, you know, it because they're a larger population. That that, that, that I, yeah, that I would ag- I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right. Right. And, I, and I don't necessarily think there's, you know, I, I know, I mean, I, I'll tell you around, my, my dad was law enforcement for 40 years. Never, never, okay. never killed anyone, you know, but he was in law enforcement for 40 years. I know, I know black cops or ex-cops. I know, you know, white cops who are ex-cops. I know, you know, I, I know white cops who are currently in. And I can't under, and this is what I want to do later at a later time, Carl and, and Melvin, if y'all are cool, is to bring okay. ex-cops and current cops and talk about what they go through. And how they see things, and then possibly even bring ex gangbangers. First, let me let me well. First, let me say this. I I don't want to get way off topic, but I think this is well. Let me. It's a great topic that you can't answer in two minutes. Well, let me ask. Let me let me let just say this. First of all, I respect uh, servicemen. What you guys have done for our country, I I I respect cops and what they do for us daily. I respect uh, the firemen. I think the firemen, to me, the firemen get the least amount of respect and love than any other group in the, in the United States of America. I really do believe that. I think the way that we treated our firemen during the 9-11 and how some of those people died because of the stuff that's in their lungs and all that. I mean, you should hear some of the stories of, of some of the firemen and what they went through in our country. So let me. I want to make it very clear. I do believe that we're supposed to respect the people that serve us on a daily basis. Okay, so I want to make that clear. Having said that, I think there is a connection or there is something, there's a piece of this that I think that uh, we as Americans, I'll say Americans, are missing when it comes to um, uh, what we are going through as African-American people in this country. And for some reason, uh, when we, it, it, it almost feels like whenever there is a subject that's brought up concerning um you know, forgiveness in some way of reparations, there's always this this kind of this undertone of arrogance that's like very dismissive. And I guess my, my, my question is to you, and it goes back to what I asked you earlier, which was why is it that there is no, you feel that there is no guilt, not necessarily from your perspective, but speaking as a white male, why do you feel that there is no, there's no such thing as white guilt in it in terms of you not feeling any type of way concerning reparations. Well, and I, and I, and I think we kind of got off 
topic there because you had mentioned I know before you had mentioned you know forgiveness and right I mean <laughs> well you you you, you kind of answered that you <laughs> answered mean, you answered I mean, that, that one was, already you kind of you know, you kind of already okay. answered that yeah okay uh, so you're just saying in general yeah in general like just in general yes man I I just I I don't know and I can't speak for you know uh, others as well I mean ultimately and I and I feel like generally the political party you're with has some, I feel like there's more white guilt people probably who are Democrats than there are who are Republicans just because of, you know, a certain, you know, mindset. Um, Why is that? Know. Why is that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like there's just, there's people, I mean, you know, why do people who see combat, you know, like myself don't have PTSD, but others do, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a chemical thing in a brain. I don't know if it's, you know, I, I just I keep going, I think, back to the fact that, you know, I look at a person for, you know, who they are inside and and not that I ever dismiss, you know, sins that occurred. You know, is right. Does racism still exist? Yes. And if I saw it, if you and I are hanging out and somebody says something to you, you better believe I'm going to stick up for you because and, and they're a white person or whatever. Right. That's just that's just who I am. You know, so. It's just it's hard for me to even be feel guilt over something I didn't do. And, you know, my, my wife would probably agree. I'm not the most uh, empathetic person at times, you know, because I'm a very I'm a very black, white guy. You know, there's not always a lot of gray area with me. I mean, look at look at the work that I do. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's a very black, white thing. You know, there's an answer or there's not in many ways. Not all the time. You know, and so it's hard for me to answer that question, to be totally honest with you, Carl. So um, let me let me okay. let, let's get into uh, another subject because we've been on reparations for a minute. Uh, I want to talk about why reparations is so important. And can you, Mr. Graham, go into why reparations is so important? Because it goes into the whole economic power for black males in this country and maybe, you know, the unacceptance, if that's even a word of the white structure wanting us to have reparations because of what, what that would do for our, for our, for our people. Uh, elaborate on that, Mr. Mr. Graham. Well, it's a, it's, it's a lot of tentacles that, that are involved in reparations and in terms of how, why, why it's beneficial, not just for black people in America, but for the country itself. Because when America is able to address its original sin, that weight of guilt is lifted. And the country thrives, uh, you know, more freely because of that. Why is it important for black people most importantly? It's because economically, we're, we're behind. Now, I hear, you know, a lot of things about Democrat and Republican. But one thing that both sides cannot address and refuse to address is the, the uh, wealth inequality by race. White folks have had... A, a head start in this country, leaving black people behind by generations. You don't know, understand that for black for foundational black people in America, for us to even break even ground with white folks, we couldn't even do that in two lifetimes. That's how bad and that's how much this country has driven black people to the ground, foundational black people to the ground. So... I don't like to get into this messy thing about liberal versus versus conservative or Democrat versus Republican because to, because to me they both have have some evil that they need to address. Right. And either side is talking about 
the wealth gap between whites and blacks in this country, which is a crime. Now, it's easy, you know, for someone to say, well, you know, that was, that was my ancestors who did that. I have no, I'm not guilty. I've never had slaves. I'm not racist. But you know one thing they do? They sure as hell uh, enjoy the, uh, the, benefits. the benefits, the benefits. Of, of, right. of what their, what their forefathers or right. ancestors did. Right. They enjoy the benefits of having the most powerful country in the world. Right. They enjoy the benefits of all this white privilege when it comes to wealth. You know what I mean? If 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 um, if we all walk down the street in Beverly Hills, they look in that car and a car and myself as if we don't belong. Yep. Yep. So there's no there's... It's privilege. It's all white privilege. Chat. Oh, there's, Chat. There's another. There's another. There's a trigger word. <laughs> well, look. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, that's not true. That's not true. That's a racist mindset. 
let, 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 hey, let, well, guys, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me moderate a little bit, a bit, let me moderate a bit on this. It's all good, and there's no hate here, man. Yeah, yeah, chat, chat. If we're going to jump, if we're going to jump topics, though, then we've got to, you know, keep it. Chat, listen, listen. Okay, so here's, here's, here's where you lose me is when you say 50%, because if you what when you say mass murders it, it would be the same as me saying that if you look up serial killers it's going to be 70% white males like you can't you can't really be fair i, I think i'm saying the overall number you can't and, and but i'm just saying it's not a fair it's not a fair statement to say that and it, and it wouldn't be yeah, a fair and it wouldn't not. be and it wouldn't be a fair statement to say that if if we were saying you know uh you know what in other words we can't use murder as a, as a as a way to gauge that blacks are more um, prone to do criminal acts because that's just not a fair way to assess crime. It's not a fair way to assess crime. There's many variables to it. Here, here in Dallas, that just changed the rule. Here in Dallas County, it, you can basically steal seven hundred and fifty dollars or less of things, and it's not going to be prosecuted. That right. just got changed. You know. So no, I'm just. But what I'm saying is, you know, do I believe that if in some cases where you got a black guy and a white a white guy who commit the same crime and a black guy gets a harsher sentence? Yes, I do believe in those cases. And I, think, yeah. and I think there needs to be stuff that, that needs to be brought to the light. And there, we need to come together to fight that. OK, I mean, I, I absolutely believe that. But I also think we need to look at, you know, let, and let's check. And I mean, let and, you know, anything that's being said. I don't want it to just say, oh, well, that's truth. I mean, these are things that I've looked at, that I kind of researched at. If I got wrong information, I'll admit it, man. I'm do you know, did you, did you yeah. know, did you know, Shad, that when the gang war started in the 80s, that it was cops that were dressing up as Crips and Bloods to actually start these wars? Did you know that? I did not know that, but I knew the CIA brought in all these drugs into inner cities. So, yeah, that's true. so, that's so, true. so, so, so when you, yeah. when, so when you make, when you look at the numbers, do you think that's that's fair to African Americans? Well, I don't. I'm not saying whether it's fair, but life isn't okay. That's nothing. Fair is an interesting word. Life, life is definitely not fair to, to anyone. You know. So, I, and I absolutely believe that. Um, that was one of my posts from a couple of days ago. You know. So ultimately, it's what are you grounded in? Because life isn't. I got a friend right now who um, you know I worked with back with my prior company. She's going through cancer. You know, this is the second time she beat it the first time going through it a second time. That ain't fair. You know, so there's a lot of things that happen to us that aren't fair. OK, know? so no, it's, so, it's then, so then so then so then so then could we could yeah. could one say that it's dirty? Could and I'm just asking. This is just a question. Could one yeah. say that it's dirty that one group of people had a head start over another and then that group of people is judging the per- person that did not get the head start? Would you say that that's dirty if you don't want to use the word fair? When you say head start, like what? Because I had many friends. I mean, my dad was a police officer. My mom was a teacher. And so my first car was an 87 Oldsmobile where I had to, you know, keep the window from falling into the, you know, the the side panel. And while they were driving... out a car. Well, yeah, no, you had a car. Right. I mowed yards. I mowed yards to pay for it. You know? So, 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 what you're saying? You know, I guess so, so. So, so, what you're saying, life Shad? Sucks sometimes life sucks. Why, you, why should someone? 
real quick, real quick, Carl, let me say this real quick. So when we say dirty, why should someone who lives their life for Christ from the time they're, you know, old enough to make that decision, 15, 16 years old, they die and then and they go to heaven versus the person who's on their deathbed who lived a life of debauchery, idolatry, uh, but then they give their life, you know, within 10 seconds of dying and they get to go to heaven. What is that fair? Well, here, here's where you lose me. Here's where you lose me. This country, <laughs> this, this country says that everyone has a fair chance at having the American dream. So, so if you can't promote that something is, is going to be given to everyone equally. There's no, there's no equal in life, man. There's no, nobody, nothing is equal. There's no way to make it fair for everyone. There's no way. Okay. There's no way to do it. And that's where people get lost a lot. Okay. And you know what I mean? Okay. Like that's, so, a conqueror, that's a conqueror's mentality. Yeah, it that's, is. That's the same thing. That's it is. the same type of addict that was used during the Roman Empire. It was. That is Absolutely. the same addict. Absolutely. The same. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and this is the thing. You are, based on what you just said, you are proving the very existence of white supremacy. Yep. Oh, it don't No, 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 no. He's not. No, he's not saying you are. He's not saying you are. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not pointing you out. No. What I'm saying is the mindset no. is what I'm talking about. Exactly. I'm talking about the overall mindset. I don't know you personally, so I can't indict you on anything like right. that. I'm not here right. Yet. Right. What, what I am speaking to though is a mindset that I'm noticing with a majority of white folks that I come across that that come from a more conservative background. Is that is that mindset that you know life isn't fair? You know. I may have a mansion. I may have, uh, you know, two uh, Bentleys in the, in the garage. But you know, like, what's the fair? Who are you talking about? I, I don't know. No, he's not talking about you. He's but not talking about I you. I know, I've said a lot of conservatives, I know this, that's the case. But say Mitch McConnell. Like, he's like, well, black people don't deserve reparations. They had Obama for eight years. Right. They didn't do anything for black people. And he already said that I wasn't elected to be the black president. He already said Here's what so I told you. Is like if if you're black, I don't have any expectations for you. That, that's what I feel like you're saying, because your life is so hard. You're you you live this life that you just weren't ever given a chance. No, um, that's there's nothing you can do. That's not what he's not saying. What said, that's not what he said. But since you want to go there, but since you want to go there, you compare a black life to a white life. It's a hell of a lot more dangerous being black than it is being white. You know that's for a fact. So life is not about decisions then. At all. No, no. No, life is about decision. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. We're saying, we're all saying the same thing. And black in America than it is being white in America. Exactly. That's just a reality. Right. That's all I'm saying. And see, but here's the thing you, 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 you get, not, not that you're necessarily getting super offended, but, you know, your blood is rising a bit and it becomes touchy for you because. This reality is something that I don't think you're equipped to do. And I think, and I think, and I think the part that we're, I think the part that, that I think Shad is saying, just to play devil's advocate, I think what Shad is saying okay, is, um, no, no, no. I, and I, and I, look, trust me, we, we, we're, this conversation is for all of us to, to grow and learn. Okay. I think what, I think what Shad is trying to say, and if I, and if, and Chad, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think you, what you're, what you're really trying to say is, it's an individual decision to come out of any situation that you're in that you don't like. 
for you to fix it. You can change it. And that there is no one person or group or entity that can actually hold you back. And I, and I totally believe that. And I live, and I live by that. And I live by that. And and Mr. Mr. Graham lives by that too. We're both a very independent black males. Uh, We're we're very, we're very, we're very educated. We think for ourselves, but I think the part that, that at least, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Graham, I think the part that I, I think Mr. Graham is trying to get across to you and to everybody who's conservative, and that is there are some of us who have not had the ability to reach the successes that I have and that Mr. Graham has. And because they haven't reached that, they don't have the knowledge and the wisdom or the resources are economic, uh, they're not economically savvy enough to pull themselves out. And so we, who are the smartest ones, the smartest African-American males, if you want to call it that, we're trying to say to the conservatives, and not just conservatives, let me be honest with you, I think the liberals are just as, uh, just as crazy and just as stupid as some of the conservatives. Some of the stuff that they say just blows my mind. So let me let me make it clear. And like Mr. Graham said earlier, you know, this is not about liberal versus conservative. This is about um, a systematic system. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not the parties. I think it's the mindset. It's the mindset. So what we're so what we're saying, let me let me get this out. So what we're saying is we are fighting for them. We're fighting for the next generation. We're fighting for for ourselves. Look. If Mr. Graham's um, statistics are correct, there's no way in this lifetime me and him are going to see reparations to the fullest degree. It's not going to happen. But if we don't start the process of building wealth, of building economic structure for this generation and the generation to come, then what is the plight? What do they have to look forward to? How can they help themselves? If they don't even have enough to even eat, <laughs> if they can't even get an apartment in their name because the system is set up to where if your credit score is not 700 and you're not making four times the rent, you're not going to get a place in this systematic system. You're not, it's not going to happen. So, so who controls this? Who controls the system? Understand something. Those who are in the higher position are white faces. Black people are hardly in that position. Now let's keep it. Let's keep it. Uh, let's go uh, uh, all the way one hundred. Carl, you and I are both filmmakers. Let's keep it real. Even at the height of, of where we can possibly go in the world of entertainment, who do we have to capitulate to? We have to have a white guy or somebody Jewish to tell us yes or no to the budgets. Thank you. Period. So it's not like it's not like we're sitting in any real position of power that we can change the dynamic for every other black person. We can't. We can help some, but we can't help all. But one thing that, one thing that, and this is where government has its place. And I know, you know, and I know uh, from a conservative standpoint, uh, too much government is a bad thing. I get that. But in our case, we actually need government to to actually make us more whole and make a level playing field. We need government in that regard. Not the way the liberals make it, though, in terms of the welfare system and things of that nature. Well, I was going to say, the biggest cities in America are generally run, you know, by 
Democratic parties. I mean, you look at the biggest cities that. But the major one, exactly. Yeah, the major, major one. So right. Well, and and this is the thing too, because I started looking because I know one of the other, you know, one of the topics. Now it's three fifty-two my time. So is there a certain time limit, girl? Oh no, we. I, I, I'm the boss over here. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm the boss over here, Doc. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> one, one of your other topics was black economic, um, you know, solutions or. Well, know, no. Like what, well, the, one of the topics. Well, the topic was is oh, why is it that? Well, the topic was we need to build a black economic structure that doesn't um, intimidate white structure because right now it feel it just feels to me I I just can put my I can only describe how I what I deal with. So whenever I'm doing business with it in when I do business all all I see is white males. I don't see uh or Jewish males. I don't see black women. I don't see black males. I don't see um, you don't see people, huh? Yeah, see I people. just see I just see white males. So <laughs> color. Okay, no, 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 no. That's not that's not what I'm saying. There you go. All right. That's All not right. what I'm saying. But but what I'm saying is when I'm doing I do high level business. I don't do I don't work at Seven Eleven. So when I do business, is there anything wrong with that? The people who well, let me finish what I'm saying. The people that I do business with, there's a certain uh, there's a certain way they they talk to me. That lets me know they're surprised that I've made it this far. And so why is it that I guess the question was, as we build this economic system so that black males are and the black family can have an economic a structure to depend on, how do we build it where it doesn't intimidate the system that's in place right now? Just intimidate them. Don't worry about it. Now, it's going to be a lot of having to take control and doing your own thing, man. You know, and I'm not a big, I'm not a big corporate person. I worked at, the only time I ever really worked corporate, well, the government, yeah, obviously worked for the government for three years in the, you know, in the army. And then I worked at Capital One for about two and a half years and I hated it. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, climb the corporate ladder type person. I don't have that mindset. I can't, it irritates me. I like having, you know, trying to feel like I have as much control as, you know, it, it want, I want to be able at three o'clock if I want to do a podcast with Carl and Melvin. I like being able to do that. Hey, yeah. so, you know what I mean? You know hey, I mean? <laughs> so I make choices. I've worked my ass off, you know, to get to a point, you know, where I can I can do that, where I can have. And that's what I think that's that mindset needs to change. It can't be what can that person do for me or what can this person do for me? What can I do for myself? Is there something I can create? What do I like to do? Maybe there's a trade, you know, maybe there's something and that, you know, and that was, I think you had sent me one of those, uh, you had tagged me on one of those videos. Um, I can't remember the gentleman who was in it, but he was talking about trade schools that have been taken out of inner cities, right? you know, kill a mic, kill a mic. Okay. Kill a mic. There you go. And I, I think, you know, a lot of what he said was extremely truthful. And, and I think if you want to build, you can't, who cares about intimidating whoever you got to be who you are, you know, but I think it comes from the ingenuity of you being able to create something, you know, maybe you learn, you be apprentice for a couple of years as a plumber or as a welder or cause they, they pay pretty dang well. And there's a lot of those jobs right now. There's a heck of a lot of those jobs right now. He's actually, so he's you, actually right. <laughs> so, You're actually I, right. I, about I, so you, I, agree with the trade. I agree with having a trade. I, I think that helps. No, well, but, no but that's, that's how you can build your own. 
that's how you end up actually building something for yourself where then later on maybe you go to hire. I mean, I look at myself. I used to work at Capital One. I was kind of like a call center guy, right? I was the guy you'd call in, hey, I want a 30-year fixed loan, you know? And now I'm I'm a, a mortgage advisor. I've got a, a, a team member, you know, a loan officer assistant that works with me. I just hired a social media uh, lady that's going to help with our client relations, and I'm bringing on another loan officer. You know, and so, but that didn't start. I mean, I started, I started seven years ago, just like y'all look at how you, you know, how, how you kind of developed yourself. It's not like it's, you guys started overnight, but you got to have opportunity and I absolutely agree. So what, what can we do to help create more opportunities? You know, and I think that white folks have to be less cheerful blacks. Yep. White, white folks have to feel, have to feel inclined that I'm sorry. I, I'm listening yeah. with the number one thing. White folks by and large, not all, because you know, Shad, you're you're. I know, I know. Okay, that you are, but let's keep it. Let's keep it real. White folks, by and large, in America, will have to see blacks as equal, and that's a problem too. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I don't know if it'll ever happen. This is this honest. If you're acknowledging that, that's a problem, and I appreciate it. At least he's honest. Yeah, absolutely. If that's what you depend on, then no, you're, then then no one's ever gonna win, man. If you're more dependent on someone being accepting of something, you you can't make people be something they don't want to be. That's honest. That's you honest. Know what I mean, you can't. That's true. It, that's true. And, and and so if that's so, who cares about the white man? Like, be your be your own person. What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are you What are you willing to work? You know, work twelve hours a day at to get to. He said, don't worry about the white. He said, don't worry about the white, man. Everything owns is white. So if I go to McDonald's, that's that's white white folks own that. If I go to the doctors, if I go to Kaiser Permanente, that's owned by white folks. If I tell me you're not going to get hired because you're telling me in 2019 you're not going to get hired because you're a Actually, that's true. That's actually true, Shad. You're not allowed to do that. If that comes up, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, she's five. She'll be six this year. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's up. It's up to us also to guide. To, and, yeah, and I, you, you have a breakdown in family units, which you can attribute to other, you know, to to a lot of different things. I get it, but it's up to us. If we really want to change this, then it's up to us to guide our kids to make the right choices, 
to bust their butt when they when they do something they're not supposed to do to realize there's consequences for your actions because we know sure as hell that hadn't been going on for a while yeah and that's why society a lot of society is the way it is entitled you know i mean it, it's amazing so it, it's a we we have a part in this too we have a huge part absolutely just, it, it, it's hard for me to go hey you, you take an individual and i don't you put them in the worst circumstances they could ever be and and i get it's not fair but I don't think that, you know, there's, I don't feel like it's someone keeping them from being who they want to be. So it, it, let me ask you this and we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. But uh, so do you feel that, so what's your take on the reparations that are happening for our Jewish brothers and sisters? What's your take on that? Chat? I, I don't have a take on it. I don't really know. I don't know enough to even, even speak on it. I mean, what is I'd be more than happy to reset if y'all got some, you know, if you want to. Um, well, it's not so ask, much. It's not so much. As, World War II. Yeah. Back to World War II, look up Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. Yes. Well, but it was for, but wasn't, you're saying these were descendants of? Because I, I, I don't believe in them. Oh, yeah. So, well, my position was that, that for the mass atrocities that happened in Germany, they were uh, uh, afforded reparations uh, for that by the United States government. I'm not necessarily upset with that per se, but it's unfair to black people when we were, when we had direct atrocities happen to us from the United States government. That's what makes it unfair. I'm not taking anything away from Holocaust survivors. And when what I said about the descendants oh, okay. aspect of it, of it yeah. the descendants are, are getting reparations as well too. And that was my and that and that was my and that was my question, and that was my question to Shad saying, so how do you feel about them receiving that, and if if that's okay if that's okay with you or if it isn't okay with you? No, it, it's not. It's not because where, where's that money coming from? You know, and I, well, you know, and I, and I, I went back and forth on this. I will say this because because of Jim Crow, because of um, you know just uh, all the, the the crap that we had. If, if the Democratic National Party is like, hey, we feel that we're really we want to shoot for these reparations. If it's going to come out of their 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 pocket, I'm okay with that. If it's coming out of my pocket, I'm not okay with that. Lisey's honest. Lisey's honest. Lisey's <laughs> honest. About me, that's the one thing about me. You will always get honest. And that's right? why. And that's why I wanted okay. you. And that's why I wanted you on the show because I wanted an honest white conservative male to tell the truth. <laughs> And I you are doing it. <laughs> you are telling the truth. And what I loved what you said was conservative. Yes. Because there's many Republicans I don't like, and we kind of talked about that, right. you know, before. Um, and, you know, when you talk about deep state, and you talk about rhinos, and you talk about, you know, a lot of corruption, and that, that's one reason why I do like Trump. It's he, he ups, he, he turned over that apple cart. He didn't play, he didn't play by their game. So let me, so let's talk about, it. let's talk, I was going to end it with Trump. And we've kind of we've kind of already ended. We've already talked about the solutions and some of the solutions. I do want to hear from Mr. Graham. We're going to end it with Mr. Graham telling us this. You tell us your solutions in terms of, uh, you know, basically pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. That pretty much I've heard that all my life. So but I want to hear but I want to hear Mr. Mel, Mr. Graham uh, talk about solutions in a second. But before we talk about that, we end with his concept of solutions. What's your take on Trump? What do you think he's doing for our country? And you as well, Mr. Graham, can 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 elaborate on that as well. Okay. Um, 
you want me to start with Trump first? Yeah, I want uh, well, I want Shad to go first, and then I'm gonna let you end it. Okay, please. Yeah. I mean, Shad. Okay. Well, and, and I'll start with this. I didn't really like him at first. Um, my my wife liked him more than I did um, at the beginning. I know that's supposed to like surprise people because he said bad things about women, um, you know, and he then all of a sudden, you know, when he was on Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and you know, when he was on. Uh, What's the movie with the kid who runs around the house like crazy? Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. You know, he was on that. And now all of a sudden he is, you know, he becomes racist when he starts running for president. So that that was a weird deal when he'd been a lifelong, uh, you know, uh, Democrat. But, you know, so I get I get people not liking him because of his tone. You know, maybe the way he talks. I absolutely get that. It's definitely not a politician. Um, but it, it kind of grew on me because I felt like, in in a way he was being honest he wasn't trying to you know play up to um what politicians are how they're supposed to be um you know now i I do i don't know if we have time but i do have a list here of things that evidently has been we can fact check all these i can send y'all you know this but yeah go ahead basically things that he's done i guess and because usually when you ask people what has he done nobody says you know can really tell so it says almost four billion jobs created since election, uh, more Americans employed than ever before, uh, four hundred thousand manufacturing jobs, which is a big deal because that's those supposedly weren't ever coming back. Um, it's I guess so for manufacturing jobs, it's, they've grown the fastest rate in for in over thirty years. Um, new unemployment, you know, unemployment claims hit a, a fifty-year low. Uh, median, which is big, median household income has hit the highest level ever recorded. Um, African American, Hispanic, Asian American, all that unemployment, you know, basically unemployment. I mean, I, I think we can at least agree that there are jobs. Um, well, I can, you know, let, let me, let me give you a little facts on that. Now, we have to also keep in mind that when Obama took over the administration in 2009, the the country was about to go bankrupt. So Obama had spent eight years building this country that basically, by the time Trump received it, he got the keys to a new Bentley. So a lot of those statistics are correct, but it started with what Obama uh, did in terms of his work. Now, what did he do and how he did it? I'm not here to debate that. I just want to be fair in our assessments with these statistics. But also there were a lot of people on food stamps, man, and and the GDP was not growing at what, 1.3%, 1.5%. So, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with all the regulations that got taken off. Because when Obama, Obama was president, there were a lot of regulations that were put on. So I get what you're saying. He took over when the economy wasn't great. But I think by the time – and I, I actually voted for him the first time. All right. Oh, that should surprise some people. Right? <laughs> but, but the second time I could kind of see things and I didn't like what I was seeing. And, and you know, if people talk about Trump making promises that he doesn't keep that. That's what I started seeing, you know, with, with Obama. And that's what kind of changed my mind on everything, you know. And then, you know, so, you know, there were some things there. So I think overall Trump's doing a heck of a job. There is stuff that we won't get into because we could I mean, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I think he's fighting a lot of different things on different fronts i'll just put it that way and maybe that's for you know another time but i'll i'll you know i don't want this to go on for hours and hours for you mr (laughs) mr graham let's let's hear your take on trump and i'm gonna let you close it out with what you think the solutions are because again shad gave his 
solutions a little earlier uh, on the show. Okay. Well, well, first of all, when it comes to Donald Trump, I'm not, I'm not uh, a Trump basher. Not, I think. Um, well, let's start, let me just be a bit controversial because I'm one of the most controversial guys there are. <laughs> I've met uh, more, probably. I've probably met more. I will say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the most controversial. I'm one of the most controversial. And Carl can attest to this. Oh yes, my, um, I, he's I, I, Graham has pissed me off about four times since I've known him. So <laughs> not four, not four times, four times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Donald Trump, I mean, the dude, well, first of all, I think Donald Trump is what America needs in, in large part. Donald Trump is the embodiment, embodiment of white supremacy. He lifts, he makes, he, he, he put it this way, he has lifted the lid off America and made being racist acceptable. And we knew that, we knew already knew how a lot of white folks felt about this country in regard to it being theirs, this country in regard to everyone else, and it's, it's them and there's everyone else. We already knew that these type of mannerisms and behavior exist. Donald Trump just made it factual. Donald Trump, in my humble opinion, for a black man like me who, who speaks his mind and it doesn't see red and blue, which is Democrat and Republican, conservative or liberal. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to any of those uh, schools of thoughts, political thoughts. I would say this much: for Black people, Donald Trump is the greatest thing ever because he shows us where we stand in this country and how white folks who are in power have felt since since the very inception, since the very inception of America. And for that, I salute Donald Trump for that. He's the most honest white man that I've seen in, in my lifetime in terms of being a president. He, he, he does everything that George W. Bush, George W. Bush was too coward to do. He does everything that all of them, uh, and he, Ronald Reagan, he, he is so, I put this way, he is, is so extreme in his white lens of how he sees America. That is unbelievable. And I respect it. I respect it so much because we've been black people have been have been lied to so much by Democrats and liberals that you know they give us Obama and he and he gave us this illusion of inclusion as if black people are on an even playing field with white folks and then Donald Trump comes and he lay, he lays down that gavel and he says hell no you have whites on top you have Hispanics that's somewhere in the middle and y'all black people on the bottom and that's what he's proven throughout his presidency. And, I, and we need that so we can continue to show the world why America isn't as great as they say it is. And for that, I may even vote for Donald Trump. Because I don't like any of the Democrats that are, that are around. Donald Trump may actually get my vote because he is the most honest white man I've ever seen in my lifetime uh, sit at that Oval Office. As stupid as that sounds, I agree with every word. <laughs> I agree with every word. I agree with every word. As stupid as that sounded. That sounded so stupid and goofy, but it's so true. But, but it makes so much it's, it's fact. It's so true. It's fact. Well, th that's what I was going to ask you is what do y'all think about the Blexit movement, though? You know, I mean, because, you know, I got I got some some of well, I'll say some some friends of mine that, you know, they don't think anybody's going to vote for Trump who isn't white. But then 
I see, you know, 30, 35% of blacks could vote for Trump. You know, well, I think I think I vote. I think I would vote for. I was just gonna say I vote for Trump because I would want I would I would rather have Trump as president than Cory Booker Cory Booker any day. So (laughs) so I mean Cory Booker just I don't know what it is about him. He just gets on my nerve, and so does uh, what's her name Warren. um, Oh, this is Warren. Okay. Yeah. So 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 many are in unauthentic. Unauthentic. That's. I feel like it's just robotic. And that's kind of what like anybody believes anything they say. And I you think know? that's. And that, they are totally inept to, to the problems that 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 exist. They're totally inept. They have no real yeah. solution to how to fix anything. And the, and one of the major issues with the Democratic Party as a whole is that their whole agenda is to impeach Trump, not to really fix anything. Right. <laughs> right. Right. No, I agree with that. A thousand percent. I agree with that. No, I, I got I, people got mad at me. I posted on Facebook. Can someone please tell me what the Democratic pro-American platform is? Right. People got mad at me, but nobody can answer the question. Right. I, I put it. I've done it three times. <laughs> right. There is no agenda. There is no agenda. There's, there's no more Trump. That's the agenda See? for Democrats. And that's that's scary. That's scary. <laughs> um, you know, so. Anyway, so uh, anyways. So so your so your final uh fi- final words, Mr. Graham, what is the solution? How do we fix this uh for ourselves but also for America? How do we fix it? Well, like I said before, and I go back to reparations as the number one item, line item and from my perspective, we need reparations because black people, foundational black people in America uh, need to be made whole, and we need reparations so it can actually be a, a, a more leveled, not 100% level, but more level playing field economically in this, in this country. And see, what white folks have to understand is that giving black people, I'm sorry, for the government to give what they owe the foundation of black people, it actually helps the economy in the country in a reverse osmosis effect. And that naval term, reverse osmosis, means you put something in and it goes through a cycle and it comes back out. So from a reverse osmosis standpoint, it helps the American economy because we are the most major contributors to uh, America. But when it it comes to, um, what do you call it? I I need to get my thoughts together here real fast. When it comes to consumerism. We consume more than than most. Majority of, of our dollars are, are 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 consumed within this American economy. We drive the economy, black people in America. So, Velvet, can, can I add something to what you're saying? Though it it, it proves what you're saying. Okay. And I said this because I, I and I found this as I was looking. It says. This was in an empowerment experiment, I guess, and it was trying to show some insight into economic trends of black people. And it said it showed that less than around 3% of the current black buying power is spent in black-owned enterprises. If if black America were to redirect just about 10% of that total black spending to black-owned enterprises, that would translate into a creation of about 1 million jobs centered around communities of color. I'm going to that that I'm going I'm going to use that as the commercial cuz right there what you just said Absolutely. That right there what you just said is the only thing that upsets me about my people. 
They are so quick. They are so quick to support every other entity, alien race than their own. They will not. They will not support their own. I don't care what it is. They do not support on the level that they should. And so that statistic is going to be the talking point for the commercial because that right there is the solution. And that's what Mr. Graham's been talking about. And that's another thing. Another thing we got to add to that. While that is 100% true in terms of the consumer consumerism and how black people, the foundation of black people spend more outside of the community. Like, like a dollar doesn't, a, a single dollar doesn't even last an hour in the black community. You know what I mean? So you're looking at the rotation of dollars and, 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 and uh, yeah, the rotation of dollars, how, and, or wealth in general, is not in the black community long enough for it to even have an effect. But see, that right there is a form of white supremacy too, because now we're talking, now we're talking about uh, a Stockholm Syndrome approach where black people don't even appreciate themselves. This is taught behavior. This didn't start from, we're not born, we don't just come out of the womb and say, hey, I hate black people. No, society itself has played down on black people to where we don't even see the value in ourselves. Understand but I think that's a mindset, too, though. I think you understand something. But, but we're placed to that mindset. Black people in the yeah. foundation of black people in America are the only people on this planet that does not know their original language. Black foundational black people in America are the only black pe- are the only people in America that have to get that pretty much have to get a, a blood or DNA test just to find out what their lineage truly are. No, no other culture, another people on this planet has ever gone through that. Only us. But yet we know. But yet, but yet America wants to make an argument about reparations. But yet that's the reality. Think about that. So the my tools are there, get back. The tools are there, though, to do that. Though I think that's tools that's are there. But that's right. all we have to go. No one else has to do that but us, though. And that is because of okay. white supremacy. Let's let's just be clear there on that, and why that's an issue, and why that exists. Understand the reasoning is what I want people to understand. But to get back to solutions, now we have to begin to support black businesses. That is our economic tool to uplift us from out of the mud. It's not the all. It's not the end all, be all solution, but it is indeed a factual solution to make our communities much better than what they are. Uh, so it does come down to uh, black economics or so black people sharing. Uh, should I say, starting a shared economic system to, should I say, bring life into our businesses and also into our communities from an educational standpoint and also from an uh, independent entrepreneurial standpoint as well. So I found that those two are the most ultimate solutions. But without reparations, we will never be able to have an even playing field in this country. It won't. It will always be that imbalance that we'll be fighting forever to try to, to try to conquer. And guys like myself and and Carl Jackson, uh, or even Byron Allen, that will not be enough to overcome the economic curve that our people suffer from in this country. So even if a few of us get out the gate and make it, we still have a whole group of people who will never even come close because of that gap. So we gotta be we have to be honest and we have to be real in our approach. But those two things, reparations 
and share a shared economic system for black people, foundation or foundational black people, uh, uh, convert their dollars into their own communities. Those are the keys to uh, survival, and our finals two to be the most uh, useful uh, solutions to go uh, to, to have. That's that's the strategy I would go. And let me just end it with this. Byron Allen, uh, it's, money, it's funny you mention him. He's actually in a lawsuit right now because uh, there are no media companies that are owned by African-Americans that are able to share in the economic wealth of, of, of commercials when they have these commercial times. There's a $50 billion um, industry and only I think it's only it's not even two percent of it goes toward African American media companies. He's in a lawsuit right now over that, as well as he's having trouble getting his television networks on the AT and T and Comcast platform because they said that his networks are not up to par in terms of the programming. And this is Byron Allen. So he went. Wow. He goes and buys the. So when you say success, and he's reached a level of success. In his mind, I don't think he's he's gotten there yet because <laughs> he's still fighting. He's, he's it's all different levels, man. It's all different levels. So I think I think I want to give I want to give you guys a special thank you for uh, for doing this with me. I know it took a lot of courage uh, to do this because it really means a lot. It's awesome, guys. And I want to I want you guys to give uh, your um, your social media, so if people want to reach out, ask questions, get to know you, uh, how do they sure. reach you on social media? After you, uh, well, okay, well, for me, you can reach me on Instagram at Mel the Thinker. That's Mel the Thinker, and on uh, on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook as Melvin X Graham. You can find me there, and on Twitter as well, uh, Melvin X Graham or Mel the Thinker. Either either one works. Um, I'm more active on uh, Facebook because I share a lot of uh, a lot of things there. You can find out what I'm doing in the film industry, or you can find where I, what I'm doing in a more uh, I've been an advocate for reparations. You can find me there on Facebook. Awesome. And uh, no, you just I'm on on Facebook and I have my own website. So Facebook just Shad S H A D last name is Marshall. Uh, my business page is The Mortgage Slayer. The Mortgage Slayer. Um, and then my website is just www.demortgageslayer.com. And uh, that's me, man. So thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Melvin, man. It, this is this has been fun. So I'm more, more than happy to do it again. So, Well, we're so happy you guys did it. And I'm just going to end it with uh, let's all get along and get together and love each other, black, white, indifferent. Amen, brother. And and let's and, and and let's remember that the color spectrum has changed. It's now black. It's no longer black and white as much as it is now blue against red. We're still dealing with color, and we've got to re- release the concept and ideas of color and really learn that we're all human and we need to look out for each other. Are we our brother's keeper? That's the question. Until next time. Happy Fourth.
follow the Carl Jackson podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes so that you can know when there are new episodes to listen to. Thank you.